Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to our one and only worship gathering. As uh, someone who's preaching this morning, it's kind of nerve-wracking. Normally, this is the warm-up sermon, and the next hour we get to, like, lay it down. And so to have to have it all out is, uh, is a little bit of pressure. My name is Ben Kearns, and I'm right now one of the uh, youth pastors on staff. And we'll see how this afternoon rolls around. I, uh, I, uh, I hurt my knee, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but mostly just to be like Art, you know, to uh, see also what it's like to be a lead pastor. So I'm trying on some of the older person persona. <laughs> I know. Um, but we are, we're in this year of yes, we're looking at this idea of what does it look like that God has these big things for us. And this morning we're looking at this idea that God actually has these incredible dreams for us. And, uh, and all of us have dreams. I think we've, since we were little kids, there are certain things that we wanted to aspire to, certain things we wanted to be and to become. And, uh, and those dreams um, are not just from us. Like God uniquely wired us. He uniquely crafted us. He gave us gifts and talents and passions. He made us in such a way that those gifts and dreams, I mean, those dreams are not just our dreams. Are, God wants to be a part of those because he has an incredible thing for us. And uh, as we talk about this year of yes, we talk about dreams and our futures. Um, this passage of scripture keeps coming up. It's my favorite passage that's taken out of context, and, I, and so I just want to share it with you. It's Psalm 37, verse 4, and it says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And there's this whole giant psalm all the way around it, but for the longest time, whenever I think of that psalm, I think of God will give me the desires of my heart. That's the only part that matters, right? God will give me the desires of my heart. And the reality is, is most of us, we have unique desires. We have these dreams. Um, but all of us have these personal dreams. And, uh, and what's interesting is when our personal dreams come up to a roadblock, man, it causes some death and destruction. And, uh, and that kind of happened to me. I'm going to tell you, just to get you all caught up with me, and this is just a little snippet. There's way bigger, more dramatic things that have happened. But I turned 40 this week, and uh, I know I'm old. And then two days later, uh, I hurt myself. But I turned 40, and, uh, and, and, and I had these big, I had this version of myself. I'm like, I'm going to be 40. There's certain things I want to do professionally. There's certain things I wanted to do um, physically. And I set out this, this kind of, this goal for myself. And I was going to work really hard to get to it. And, um, and then two days after I turned 40, I hurt myself. And actually, I broke my kneecap in half. Check this out. This is my, is that dramatic? Yes, I know. And uh, it happened in Denver, and everyone in Denver was like, oh, man, was that a snowboarding accident? Was that a skiing accident? And, uh, and this is what happened. My son called me I, at 10 o'clock at night. A bunch of us youth workers were at this bowling alley, and uh, we're hanging out. And my, my son calls me, and I haven't talked to him in a while, and I missed him. So I pick up the phone, and we're FaceTiming because it's modern technology, and we're talking, and it's loud. So I'm leaving kind of the bowling area to go talk to my son, and I trip, like on a stair, like less than that far. Like, that's it. I just trip, I miss a step, and I land smack on my knee. And, uh, and here's the deal. Like, I, uh, I'm strong. I'm an ox. I hate pain. I don't want to be needy. And, uh, and I, I, the phone, phone goes flying. Something kind of colorful comes out of my mouth, and I'm on the ground, <laughs> and I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I immediately, I try to get up and... Um, so no, because I don't want anyone standing around staring at me. I mean, I've, I'm a youth pastor, and I've been on plenty of trips where I've had the junior high girl fall down, and we all just stand there staring as they cry for three days. I'm like, this, I don't want to be that person, but now I'm that person. So I try to get up as fast as I can, but I can't. And I look at my knee and the leg. It's all built, you know, tweaked out, and I got bones everywhere, and people are gagging. And I'm like, this is super embarrassing. And, uh, and, and basically, I go to the hospital, and I get, I get to go in an ambulance, and they get to take meds, and it's super fun, and I have a great time. Um, and what's interesting is within 20 minutes, I'm all medicated out, and so I'm feeling great. Um, 
And I call my wife, and this is no joke, the second thing out of her mouth, her first thing was probably nice, but I only remember the second thing. The second thing out of her mouth was, so, <laughs> ah! You said you weren't going to be here this service. Oh, man. <laughs> she says, so does this, does this mean you're going to slow down now? Is that right? Right? Sort of. And I'm, and I'm like, listen, let, let's take the moral lectures till tomorrow at least, you know. But the second thing out of her mouth, does this mean you're going to slow down now? And, uh, and it was brutal because the way she said it and because I knew it was true, I was like, oh, man, does this mean I'm going to slow down now? Uh, because and you, like, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I have a really weird neurotic life and lifestyle. And, um, and no joke, um, I, I wasn't sure I was going to experience pain. And it turns out I giggle and I say colorful language. That's how I deal with pain. But I did have this moment where I actually almost cried. And if I was like a normal human, I would have cried. But I almost cried. I felt the tears well up. I was, I was on a layover flight on my way home. And this is why I cried. I cried because I was like, oh, the dream I had for this year is over. Um, next weekend, I had an opportunity to speak at a really big wig camp. Um, well, it's not big to you because you've never heard of it, but in my world, it's a big wig, it's a big wig camp. And you know, I'm gonna, I was supposed to on Wednesday go riding with Kirk Usher on this incredible ride, and, and I see Terry uh, Anderson's Facebook posts and all these bike rides. I'm like, I'm going to go on an 80-mile bike ride with you. I had these dreams for this year, and even professionally, I was going to speak at this camp and do some things. And, I, and as I'm on my flight in this layover. I no joke. I had this emotional moment and I, I blame the, the meds I was taking, but I, but I, it was this like, oh, my dream is over. The thing that I wanted to do with my life this year is over. And uh, it's interesting because, I mean, this is like a total top shelf like thing. We all, if we're honest, have real life lower level issues, lower level dreams where we're like, this is the hope that I have for my life. This is the dream that I have for my life. We work really hard to put the things. Sometimes we make dumb mistakes or things happen. But for the most part, right, we have a plan. We have these personal dreams and we work really hard to get after it. And then you trip and fall or someone else makes a dumb choice or some disease happens, right? Things that are out of our control. And we come up against this reality of, what in the world do we do, right? Because it says that he will give us the desires of our heart. But that's like half a verse totally taken out of context, right? Even the beginning of that verse says, first we delight ourselves in the Lord, and then he will give us the desires of our heart. And so as we think about this year of yes, as we think about, man, what are the dreams that God has for us? Where's the place that God wants to move us? What I want to spend a little time this morning thinking about and wrestling with is this idea that we all have personal dreams, and those are great. And some are really self-serving and, and some are really noble. But we have these personal dreams on one hand. But God, on the other hand, is, is this proud dad who, just like you, have, you know, if, you have, if you're a parent, you have dreams for your kids, you think, I want my daughter to become this kind of woman. And God is in heaven looking at us going, man, you are my kids and I have these dreams for you. And the dream and the hope, I think, is for our dreams and passions to line up with God's hopes and dreams for us. And that's how um, we're going to do it. That's what we're going to wrestle with this morning. So if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 37. It's the easiest book to find the whole Bible because it's the first one. So Genesis, big 37, verse 1. So all of us have personal dreams. And this, this is uh, my favorite passage of Scripture, when, especially when it talks about dreams, because it, there is a dream. There's no getting around it. And I like to think of this as, as called a prophetic dream. Like for me, I don't really hear God's voice this way. I have to kind of sense and wrestle with and talk to my friends and, and community and kind of work it out. But every now and then, God shows up in people's lives and says, this 
is your dream. This is the thing that you're going to be moving towards for your whole life. Your whole life was about this. And the story of Joseph is exactly that. So in uh, Genesis chapter 37, it says this. So Jacob, Joseph's dad, lived in the land where his father had stayed in the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. So Joseph, a young man, he was 17 years old. He was tending flocks with his brothers and sons and uh, and his fathers and wives. And they brought their father a report about him. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, okay. So now Israel loved Joseph more than any, because basically Joseph had two wives, Leah and Rachel, and Leah had all these babies, and Rachel couldn't have any. And Joseph loved Rachel more than Leah, and he couldn't have any babies with her. But then finally he had Joseph. So his favorite wife, um, and we'll talk about marriage in another sermon. This isn't a marriage sermon, um, but that's why. But Joseph was Rachel's um, son, and he loved him the most. And uh, so he was born at an old age, and he made him this really fancy robe. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, rightly so, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, on top of that, Joseph had this dream, and we told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and, and bowed down to it. Awesome. His brothers were like, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream and what he said. And then he has this other dream. And of course, he tells his brothers again, listen, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well, uh, his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept this matter in mind. Now, just in general, if you're the youngest brother and everyone doesn't like you in general, keep that dream to yourself. (laughs) But Joseph has this dream, a dream given by God that his brothers are going to bow down to him one day. And not only his brothers, but his mother and father are going to bow down to him too one day. What an incredible dream. And what's interesting is, wouldn't it be so cool if God said, listen, this is this gigantic dream I have for you. Right, well, I mean, I hear this from our students all the time whenever I talk to people. If God would just tell me what he wants from me, I'll do it. If I'm, if I'm moving to Africa, if I'm selling my house, if I'm doing this thing, if I'm starting that company, whatever the thing is, if God would just tell me, I would do it. And here it is, God tells Joseph this dream. And it, what's so heartbreaking is if you know the story, the whole rest of the story is one of just full family dysfunction and heartbreak. Because what happens is Joseph's brothers are so mad at him, they decide to kill him and be done with him. But then they're like, hey, we could actually sell him to slavery, have some money to go buy some fun stuff, and then tell our dad we, we killed him. And, uh, and that's what they end up doing. So Joseph has this incredible dream. God says, listen, Joseph, you're going to be this person. Your brothers are going to bow down to you. That's the dream. That's the prophetic dream that God had for Joseph. And uh, what's interesting is at the end of Genesis, that actually happens. At the end of Genesis, His brothers, they come because there's a famine. They come and they take food from him and they bow down. And even his father bows down in in reverence to him. And it came to be. It's incredible. This is the dream and this is how it came to fruition. But what I want to talk about this morning is not the dream or how it came to fruition. What I want to talk about is that there was this 14-year chunk of time in Joseph's life where that dream that God gave to him did not look like it was going to come together. And the reality is that God gives us dreams and passions in our life, and it is never about the end result. It is never about this dream means that this is what's going to happen. This is, so you can just rest and relax. You're going to be here one day. 
Because the, the walk with God, this idea that God has this yes for us, that our, is that our yes will actually find us. Because it's not just the beginning or the end. It's how we live and move through this desert time of these 14 years. So we have these personal dreams that are ours alone. God has this, in this case, a prophetic voice, but there's this prophetic dream that God has for us. And what I think what we need to do is help those things come together by realizing that we want our dreams to simply be godly dreams. And so what I'm going to do is I just want to share with you, um, I think, five simple things out of Joseph's story that I think will be helpful no matter where you are. If you just have your own personal dream, if God gave you some amazing crystal clear picture, or if you're in the middle of how in the world do you discern, is this dream from God's? And what do I do in the middle ground? So the very first one is this. And uh, it's funny because it's actually not from Joseph's story, as you can tell. Because my very first point is this, that people who want to discern if a dream is from God or from them, their, their own is that they have to walk closely with Jesus. Now, Joseph, of course, didn't know Jesus. He's his great, 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 great. First cousin, maybe. That's how, how the family line all works. But Joseph didn't know Jesus. He didn't, he didn't even know Jesus was coming. Um, but what's interesting, Joseph, I mean, he's in Genesis. He's in the first book of the Bible. God obviously had his hand on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and, the, and wanted to rescue them and use Jacob to rescue God's people from this horrible famine. And you could tell through all of Genesis, God, excuse me, God is intimately involved in these guys' lives. And, but everyone sends Jesus. Whenever you hear stories, whenever you listen to the old faithful saints of our church or your, old, your grandparents or people or you read biographies, everyone who endured all sorts of crazy trials, the way they did it is because they walked closely with Jesus. They knew that their life, they knew that this momentary circumstance was not all that there was. Jacob knew that he was part of God's people. He had some sense of who God was, that his life was something. If he didn't, he would have just gone off the rails and done whatever he wanted to do, but he didn't. He was a man of noble character. Every single person who seems to walk through really challenging times and does that well, they do it because they love Jesus. They're walking close to Jesus. They realize that what God has for them may not be what they think it is, but right that they delight themselves in the Lord and he will give them the desires of of their heart. They may not give them the esteem and fame and money that they wanted, but the true desires of the heart, God will grant that to them. So the very first thing that we need to do when we're trying to discern how we live into these dreams that God has for us is we have to have an intimate and real relationship with Jesus. It's not about a religion, do this, don't do that, make sure you have your, you know, you read through the Bible and you're like a good Christian, but an intimate friendship where you walk with Jesus, you hear from him, and you talk with him. The second is that we have to be faithful in current circumstances. Like I said, Joseph could have gone off the rails. He was sold into slavery and headed off uh, to Egypt. And he could have been like, did whatever he wanted to make a name for himself or to survive or whatever. And Jacob, he's like, there's only two people in all of Scripture. I mean, Joseph, there's only two people in all of Scripture who did not totally screw up and God had to somehow fix them. Joseph had this noble character he was sold into slavery, and because he had such noble character, he moved up the ranks of the slaves in his house, and he became like the head house slave of a really important person in, uh, in Egypt. And what's amazing is, uh, at one point, um, the, 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 the Potiphar, I, I forgot the guy's name. Yeah, okay, yeah, good Potiphar. My Percocet, you know, it's kicking in a little bit. Um, but his wife is like, man, this guy is handsome, and I want to spend some time with him, if you know what I mean. And Joseph, how great, you are a house slave, and the master's wife wants to spend time with you. You're like, I'm a slave. I guess I have to, you know? But no, he says, I will not do that. I 
am, you know, Potiphar's servant. He's given, entrusted me everything. I'm not going to take advantage of him. I mean, who does that? Joseph does that because he has noble character. Because even though God gave him this dream, even though he found himself in a horrible situation, he said he, he, he had character and he said no. And the worst part is, is him saying no meant that he actually got thrown in jail. Right? That uh, Potiphar's wife was so embarrassed that she sent him to jail and he gets sent to jail. And in jail, he, because of his character, he moves up the ranks and ends up being in charge of all these people in jail too. And, uh, and then what happens in the story is... Um, you know, these guys, these guys have this dream of, about Pharaoh, and they tell Joseph, and Joseph could have been, think about how bitter you would be. God gave you this incredible dream, and you were a slave, and then you, got a, you rose in the ranks, and then you were a slave again, and you were in prison. He had every right to be bitter and upset. And instead, he's kind, and his character moves him up the ladder, and he uses the gifts that God's given him. So we have to walk closely with Jesus. We have to be faithful in our current circumstances. Um, and we have to be patient and long-suffering. I love the story about Joseph. It was 14 years. And I love, I think Jeff said in a couple of sermons ago, let's give God a day, right? We are so quick to be like, I'm out. God didn't show up this way for me and I'm out. And we throw in the towel. I hear from our students all the time that this one thing didn't happen to me, I'm out. Man, give God a day. How about a week? How about a year? How about 14 years? Can you imagine 14 years? That's so long to be faithful and to be steadfast, that God has this thing for Joseph at just the right time, but we have to be faithful and we have to be long-suffering. No one likes being long-suffering. In fact, there's no good self-help books right now out about long-suffering. I looked. It is all about right now how to make it happen. Edie Benson did an awesome thing on, our, on finances for MCCU, and it's like, it's so clear, right? You want this kind of financial future, you have to be long-suffering. It is a long road, and we don't want to do it. But if we want our dreams and God's dreams to come together, we have to be long-suffering. Thirdly, fourth, that we have to keep our eyes open to where God is moving. God is alive and God is active. And just because things may not work out the way we want them to, we have to use our gifts and our resources and our passions wherever we are in this moment. I love the story in Joseph. Joseph, he was given the gift of interpreting dreams. That was a gift from God given to him. And when he's in jail, these guys have a dream that they need to interpret. He could be like, who are you? Everyone's against me. I'm not going to share anything with anyone ever again. Instead, he still was generous with the gifts that God has given him. And God actually used his character and his using of his gifts to get him back into Pharaoh and end up saving God's people. So we have to be open to where God's moving. And then lastly, we have to adjust accordingly and then give thanks in worship. I love this passage at the very end of Genesis. Joseph could have crushed his brothers. Joseph should have been bitter and upset the whole time. But instead, Joseph was a, was a faithful servant who had a dream. He was faithful to what God made for, had for him. He was patient and long-suffering. He kept his eyes um, where God was moving. And at the end, he recognized that it was God's hand in this whole thing. The end of the book of Genesis ends like this. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Do I, um, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done in the savings of many lives. What an awesome perspective. God is alive and God is active. He wants to do things in us and through us. Sometimes he is gracious and gives us a little bit of glimpse into what that might be. He gives us a dream that we can move towards. But sometimes there's roadblocks that happen to us or just happen. Or maybe God's plan is 14 years of long suffering. 
But we have to be faithful because God's yes will find us. This moment right now, it may not be the culmination of God's dream. How boring if it was. But in this moment, we have to be faithful to the thing that God has called us to do. Um, hey, I'm going to give you an extra minute, Jeff. I had a story, but it's a four-minute story. So I'm going to give you. Okay, good. So, and my knee's starting to hurt. Um, so before, I'm going to invite Jeff up, and we're going to spend a little time in communion because our hope and our dream for our church is that we would be people who wouldn't just be about personal dreams. We wouldn't be about just saying, God, bless me and make my life work, but that we would be people who say, God, we want your dreams to be my dreams. And no matter what this middle ground looks like, no matter what trials and temptations and joys and uh, concerns happen in this middle ground, may we be a church that walks closely with Jesus. May we be a church that is faithful in our current circumstances. May we be a church that is patient and long-suffering. May we keep our eyes open to where God is moving. And may we always adjust and give God the honor and glory and worship that he deserves, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen.